0: Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 24, verses 4 through 6. Listen now for God's word The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the heavens languish together with the earth. The earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth dwindled, and few people are left. The word of our Lord. about our summer choir like they haven't practiced that for weeks they just showed up at 10 o'clock and practiced that and came and sang thank you and you too can do this our gospel lesson for this morning comes from the book of luke the 12th chapter verses 15 through 21 listen now for god's word jesus said take care Be on guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in the abundance of possession. Then he told a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And the rich man thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then the man said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Our book today, The Lorax, is the book that Dr. Seuss, a.k.a. Theodore Geisel, called his favorite book. It is the favorite of many and has been made into a TV special and a few years ago, a feature length movie. Dr. Seuss was a thinker ahead of his times when he published this book in 1971. Dr. Seuss probed lots of issues in his life, but he really hit hard in the Lorax, hitting our humanity and our hearts and our minds, hurting because. We know that although the Lorax is a fable, it is true. The Lorax himself only speaks the truth, and he doesn't even speak for himself. He speaks for the trees, the beautiful trees. He speaks for the trees, for the trees have no tongues, But he also speaks for the brown barbalutes who played in the shade in their barbaloot suits and happily lived eating truffula fruits. And he speaks for the poor swami swans who can no longer sing a note. No one can sing who has smog in their throat. And the humming fish who can no longer hum. No more can they hum for their gills are all gummed. The Lorax speaks truth to the powerful and greedy onceler but why? What does the Lorax have to gain? The Lorax doesn't search for fame or fortune or power or wealth. When we first meet the Lorax, he's living in the stump of a tree, shortish, oldish, brownish, mossy, sawdusty, He saw Dusty because his tree has just been chopped down. The Lorax wasn't out looking to become a prophet. He was just there, being, caring, watching out for all of creation around him, noticing, naming, asking hard questions, refusing to yield, speaking wisdom, speaking truth, being loud, being noisy, being bossy. So, is he the bad guy? No. So, is the Onceler the bad guy? Absolutely. But maybe not. Most of you can't see the pictures up here, so you can't see that the arms and the hands of the Onceler is all that we can see. And the arms and the hands of the sir are green and hairy, much like, hmm, what other Dr. Seuss character? The Grinch. But whereas at the end of the story, the Grinch is redeemed from consumerism, he stands and he sings with the Who's down in Whoville, and we assume lives a happy life with the Who's in Who's la- Who- Whoville, in the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That is not the case for the onceler. It's a different story. He ends up alone in his big factory, reminiscing about the past and rather lonely. The Wunzler, though, is multidimensional. We want to hate him, but he's much closer to who we are than the Lorax is. The Wunstler is also the narrator of the story, so it's told from his point of view. And as he tells the story in past tense, we know that the Wuntzler understands what's been lost. Way back in the days when the grass was still green and the pond was still wet and the clouds were still clean, And the song of the swami swans rang out in space. One morning I came to this glorious place. And I first saw the trees, the trefula trees, the bright colored tufts of the trefula trees. Mile after mile in the fresh morning breeze. And the onceler goes on and on. And he describes the brown barbelutes and the humming fish humming. And he touches and he smells and he feels the trees. And his heart leaps with joy. He's come in on a horse and a buggy. And he has found the promised land. He unloads his cart. And he builds on the land. He chops down his first tree. The once -er imagines he can make something wonderful out of this land. He is both visionary and industrious. And he knits it into being all by himself. Now, what is wrong with that? That is the story of our country. And we celebrate that. We explored and found a rich land. We saw beauty and possibility. We inhabited the land. We created something off the land, something from nothing. Sure, looking back on it, we know where we went wrong. Where we and the onesler got greedy. At best, we can romanticize this history as manifest destiny. At worst, we were a conquering people, conquering pretty much everything we came across, land, people, animals. But the once is a likable chap, and so are we. He is a creator turned producer, and he becomes a hugely successful entrepreneur. And what he creates, it's brilliant. It's a need. And it's brilliant because a need transforms into whatever it is that we need. Of course, we all need one of those. At least one, I might need several because I might want them in different colors and my weight goes up and down, so I might need them in different sizes. We all need a thneed. Well, the Lorax who yells, Sir, you are crazy. You are crazy with greed. And he yells that not just at the once but at us. And there is that word we don't like to be called, greedy is the name we don't want to be named. Greed is the name of this sin to be sure, and not only the once we all need a cure. We resemble that remark we cry with a sneer, greed's not far away or long ago, but it's near, so near it's here we all recognize that the onceler saw an idea and became energized and lost sight of the beauty, the smells, and the sounds for the sake of production and money flying around. He didn't love God's creation and what God had done, but envisioned what he could make it all become. That's enough forced rhyming. Let's stop at the rhymes and talk about greed. Greed puts us in competition with others. Greed separates us from our neighbors and is built on the premise of scarcity. Greed causes us to make decisions based on ourselves and those whom we say we love only. We think the opposite of greed is generosity, and maybe it is. But generosity still assumes haves and have-nots, which we will get to when we read the star-bellied snitches. But maybe the opposite of greed is simply sharing sharing life, sharing resources, sharing love, sharing what we've learned from Jesus. So let's do that now. Let's go to the word of God. Thanks be to God, sharing from the word. Jesus says some harsh words in our scripture from Luke today. And these are those red letter words that are Jesus's words. Jesus said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then Jesus told a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And the man thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger barns, and there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So we go the word of the Lord because that's a hard word and he's talking about greed of all kinds not only the kind that harm creation but the greed that harms all of creation is throughout the prophets throughout the whole bible God has created a covenant with God's people the people forget God Go against God, forget about creation, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word, God's promise, God's forgiveness, God's grace endures forever. And that's what we find in our text today from Isaiah, which is just a verse chosen to represent many other verses. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the heavens languish together with the earth. The earth is polluted under its inhabitants for they have transgressed laws, violated statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and its inhabitants suffer for their own guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth dwindled and few people are left. We mess up and God reminds us. God puts a rainbow in the sky after the flood and says to Noah, look at that. You see that? God is a God of life, and that reminds you of that. I am not a God of destruction. The rainbow was a new promise for people and all of creation. But we forget the all of creation part still today. We are all interconnected. We kind of got this whole stewardship and having dominion part wrong. Like, we're in charge of everything and humans are number one. But the truth is we're all interconnected. Part of the animals and the birds and the bugs' job is sustaining all of creation. Wait, I thought that was our job. Part of the trees and the plants and the flowers and the job is sustaining creation. Part of the seas and the lakes... And the rivers and the oceans' job is sustaining creation. And that's part of our job as well. We're all connected, intricately woven together. When the animals or the plants or the seas suffer, we suffer. When the animals and the plants and the seas flourish, we flourish So when a whale shows up dead in Thailand with 18 pounds of plastic in its belly, we as humanity need to pay attention. Because that isn't just some random whale. And we are connected to that whale. We need to pay attention to the fact that Jakarta, Indonesia, is the fastest sinking large city And it's also home to an estimated 10 million people. We need to pay attention to that. We are connected to the water rise, and I don't care whether or not you think that humans caused the water rising in some places and shrinking icebergs in the other. The truth is it's happening, and because it's happening, we have to pay attention. We have a responsibility to nurse Mother Earth back to health. There are higher temperatures in some places and lower in others. There is an increase in hurricanes and earthquakes and fires, and that is just happening. The reality is that we have to pay attention because we're intricately connected, and God's covenant isn't only for us. It's for all of creation. We live and we die with all of creation. We wither. And we flourish with all of creation. We're connected to the swamps drying up and the rainforest being cut down. We're connected to every person. When one child is born or one person dies, the earth will never be the same. When we lose one species or one lake bed shrivels, the earth will never be the same. The LORAC ends with all the hope being placed in one seed and one boy's hands. Now that is Dr. Seuss. That is not the Bible. The Bible ends with a vision of God's shalom and a tree of life blossoming in a city placed next to the river of life beside the tree. The Bible ends as it begins with God's promise of shalom, of peace, of abundance of a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth, God's kingdom come, that we pray for every week, that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come with Christians throughout time and place, that we pray for. Our final hymn today also speaks of that new, healthy, abundant, verdant earth. It's fairly new as hymns go, from 2001. The refrain could be the refrain of the Lorax dreaming of his truffula trees. In reality, the hymn is based on the end of the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, another vision. You shall go out with joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing, and the trees will all clap their hands, all of creation singing together from a weary world. Light dawns, love grows, hope blooms. We're creatures—that's us, but not only us. Creatures once forlorn find wilderness reborn. Hope blooms in a weary world. The promised green of Eden comes. The promised day of justice comes. The promised feast of plenty—it's coming. So we leave today with that vision of biblical restoration, God's heaven, new heaven, and new earth. And I don't have the answers. I still use styrofoam cups and plastic cups, and I need to stop doing that. And you probably do things like that, too, and we need to stop doing that. And I don't know what that seed in your hand means or what you're supposed to do with it or what that seed grows, but I'm sure that we're all supposed to plant our seed and not die with it grasped in our hands. And I'm sure we need to leave the world a better place for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren, and I worry about that. We leave also with the charge of the once -er who puts that seed in your hand. That seed's in your hand, and you hear, you're in charge of the last of the trefula seeds, and the trefula trees are what everyone needs. Plant a new trefula, treat it with care, give it clean water, and feed it fresh air. Grow a forest, protect it from axes that hack, then the Lorax and all of his friends may come back. The end and amen.